0: Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, editor-at-large at at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're talking about autism with Holly Robinson-Pete. Holly became a fierce advocate for families like hers, after her son R.J. was diagnosed with autism at the age of three. We'll talk about their new picture book, Charlie Makes a Splash, which tells the story of a boy with autism who finds calm and joy playing in water. The book also offers a series of incredibly helpful tips for families coping with autism. Holly is also the author of Same But Different and My Brother Charlie, in addition to being an author, an actress, and a singer, she is the co-founder of the Holly Rod Foundation with her husband, Rodney Pete. They started the nonprofit in 1997 after Holly's father, Matt Robinson, was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. The foundation provides medical, physical, and emotional support to individuals living with Parkinson's as well as families of children with autism. As some of you may know, Holly's father was the original Gordon on Sesame Street. Here is Holly Robinson-Pete. Hi, Holly, welcome back to the program. Hi, I'm so happy to be back. Charlie makes a splash. Tell us about your new picture book.
1: Oh, well, this is like a dream come true ever since We started with my brother, Charlie, over 12 years ago. I wrote that with my daughter. I've always wanted to follow that up with a sequel. And here we are. And it's just the greatest feeling. So excited because my son, RJ, is now a co-author. And so that's awesome because where we are, I feel, with the autism journey is that he needs to advocate for himself, needs to speak for himself, and he's... Just such a phenomenal kid that his input on this book and when we collaborated to ask questions about his relationship with water and how much he loved it and how it made him feel growing up, it was just a blast or it was a splash. That's what we'll call it.
0: Now, I know RJ because I follow your social media channels, but for our listeners who don't tell us about him and about how well he's doing.
1: Oh my goodness. So RJ is doing amazing. He was diagnosed with autism at 3 years old. He was given this bleak prognosis about all these things he would never be able to do. So we call that the never day. And one of the things they never they said he would never do was have meaningful employment. That was a big one. But at the time, you know, when he was 3, my husband and I we weren't even thinking about that because we were just trying to get some of those others other nevers handled. Like He would never go to mainstream school. He would never play team sports, say, I love you, have friends, all that kind of stuff. So as you can imagine, that's very difficult to hear about your three-year-old. And especially because we were rookie parents at the time with twins off the top. And so it was a very, very difficult time. So when I look up 20 plus years later and see this kid working for the Los Angeles Dodgers and, you know, has a... World Series ring with his name on it. I mean, it's just, I have to pinch myself. And we always love to share this story because we, you gotta have hope during this, this journey. But he's become an amazing self-advocate and now he's a published author. I mean, he, well, I should say he, excuse me, I'm sorry. He, he was a published author for Same But Different, which is another book we have on Scholastic. But this is really special because this is his version of my brother, Charlie. And that's really
0: neat. It is so special, and you're an incredibly special family. You really inspire me. Tell us how this story went from an idea to a book in my hands today. It
1: was a long process. And I have a lot of friends who are very, are always asking me, what is the process of making a children's book? Because they think since there's just pictures and there's just not as many words, that it's just like you can pop them right out. Well, no, it is a long, very involved and in some cases tedious but awesome process where you get to express yourself in a way via pictures and marrying the words and then the back matter of the book is really important especially for this book uh with autism being the subject. But it is a it is a long process and and we've been talking about it at Scholastic for years. It's been a few years. From soup to nuts to having the book here it's the best feeling and you know I see people doing like unveiling and un- unboxing of their books and stuff I'm gonna do that and it's gonna be I haven't done it with RJ yet so we're going to create that moment and really really document that moment for for this family because it is a big deal coming from that never day all the way to this kid you know, writing his book and and he would kill me if I keep calling him a kid. He's 24, (laughs) but but, you know, they're always your baby. They're always your baby. Um, uh, So the, the process has been long, but it has been so gratifying. And I just am so thrilled that Charlie Makes a Splash is finally here.
0: Congratulations again, Holly. You talk about how family dynamics can change. RJ has a twin sister you went on to have two more sons. Tell us how an autism diagnosis for a sibling might affect other children in the family.
1: Oftentimes, siblings are overlooked. They are not the squeaky wheel in the family. They're not the one that needs to go to all the therapies. And so that can really have a long lasting impact on their development. If I had to do it again and go back again and do this journey again, a lot of things I wouldn't change, but one of the things I would change is how I related directly with Ryan, RJ's twin sister. She now, you know, she's graduated from college and she's now written long books and at school, you know, and theses at school about growing up and how hard it was for her. And not only did it make me feel guilty as a mom, I had lots of mom guilt, but also I realized I wanted to share that information with other people who may be just getting the diagnosis or trying to manage the siblings. And I think the biggest thing is just, one-on-one time. It's really just sitting down with your other, with the sibling, your other child, and really listening to them and don't mention, or it's not about RJ. It's all about you, Ryan. It's all about, let's go get our nails done. Let's go have a road trip. Let's go do a trip just for the two of us. Now, oftentimes in families, that dynamic is, it's kind of hard to do that. You know, you're working, you could be a single parent. There's all kinds of different things that impact that. But to the extent that you can, it's all about one-on-one time, I think, and that child just feeling special outside of being a sibling of a child with special needs.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And you have great tips for parents and caregivers in the back of the book. Could you tell us about some of them and why you decided to create this resource for families?
1: I wanted not just a beautiful children's book and an awesome story, which in it is, in and of itself gives a lot of awareness and acceptance and promotes some really positive things about neurodiversity and how special and amazing our kids are. But there are some hard cold facts about raising a child with autism, dealing with that. And I know when I got the diagnosis, my husband and I were very stumped. We didn't have any resources. We didn't have any books like My Brother Charlie or Charlie Makes a Splash. And we certainly didn't have any books with with back matter and information about our journey and resources. There just wasn't, it was a different time. And it seems like not that long ago, but it was over 20 years ago. And I just remember there were never, never any podcasts like this, like we're doing, where you're talking to people about what this journey was like. And then you also have a book and resources. In short, there was no Welcome to Autism handbook. And because of that, we knew when we finally sort of settled into this diagnosis, because the beginning was kind of tough, that we wanted to create these resources and this, this for other families that may be looking for some hope and then just some hard, cold ones and twos about what to do if you get this diagnosis. And so that was my favorite part about doing the book. And I, I have to say, that was one of the hardest parts because I didn't want to leave anything out. I, want, I had to go back in my mind to those early days and try to remember what it was I needed and the questions that I had. I talked to probably three or four newly diagnosed families maybe a month, per month. I love having these conversations. Some of them are people I know. Some of them are uh, people that are friends of friends. And some of them are just from social media or whatever saying, you, you know, I have questions. What can you do? So I'll do like a lot of social media, but this was a way for families to get this book and they could share it with their family, but they could also have more serious facts in the back of the book. And I think that I really Virgo obsessed over those facts. (laughs) I'm I'm a tortured Virgo. And it just went back and forth and back and forth on making sure I got those just right. They probably took longer than the book itself. Yeah. yeah, they
0: really are fantastic. What have you been hearing from those families during the pandemic? I'm curious to know about some of the unique challenges they've been facing.
1: Oh man, I spent so much time in 2020 and 2021 talking to families, having to now, A, let, okay, you're, you've lost your job because you don't necessarily have a job that you can do from home. But if you do, you also have children who are learning virtually through uh, the computer. And those are, it's difficult when you have therapies that you can't really do in that way. So they don't translate too well. So now you're home with your kid or kids, and you're not only working if you're fortunate enough to keep your job and be able to work from home, but you're also a therapist, basically. That was a number one issue. Just there's, it was already hard enough when you, getting your kid to therapy, dealing with IEPs in school and all of that. But now to have to turn around and do that all via computer. And, and a lot of times what I heard from families is that they didn't have internet. They would borrow their own, you know, not everybody has all of this connectivity. It costs money, it, There were so many things that I'd never thought of. And so the pandemic really brought those out and ripped a Band-Aid off of some of these problems that many of us take for, for granted.
0: Are more resources being allocated now for children who have autism and their families?
1: Yes, there are more resources. And I think if there is any silver lining from the pandemic, at least as far as our kids are concerned, is that we have come up with different ways to learn virtually and also lots of schools are coming up with ways through school districts to give broadband and so- social media and internet to families that don't have it at home everybody just went right into oh what's your internet password or what's your di-? well I don't even have internet I can't afford it and so i think now we're seeing that that problem really needs attention and as a result lots of families have internet and have that Access now that they didn't have before this pandemic, and it's helping them in other ways. So that's one, I think, if you had to point out one good thing, that would be one of them.
0: I'm glad to hear there's something positive coming out of this. Now, Holly, I'd like to go back to when RJ was three and you got his diagnosis. You call that the never day. What would you say to a family facing their own never day now?
1: I would say to any family who is getting that diagnosis today and if you hear all these things that your son or daughter will never do or never be or i say you have to just completely shut that out i know it's hard because you're trying to figure out how to you're going to manage this journey but you absolutely cannot let anybody set limitations and possibilities for your child that's number 1 number 2 is start building a team for your entire family as well the siblings too but Certainly for your child who is experiencing autism or any kind of special need, build that team. Team RJ has been the best thing to ever happen. And it may not just be your family because some family members don't understand autism. That's one thing that I wanted to make sure I expressed in the back matter that it's okay if there are family members that don't get it. You have co workers, you have cousins of other people's cousins, you have all kinds of communities that can come together. Strangers can become. Like angels on the path of this journey. So constantly advocate, advocate, advocate like a wild person for your child and you will be blown away at some of the people you meet. I call them angels on the path because I have so many, um, who people who just came into my life that I would not have met, but not for this autism experience. So do that rally, rally, rally and advocate, advocate. And then also you got to take care of yourself too. I found that I threw my a whole self-care out of the window when it came to RJ. Actually, when he was younger, I was also a caregiver for my father who had Parkinson's. So I was in the sandwich generation, if you will. And I was working. I I mean, I don't even know how I got through all that, but I think there has to be times when you just stop. And even if you give yourself an hour, get someone to do some childcare for you, but you must take care of yourself Mm -hmm. so that you can take care of your other loved ones who need you. Those would be the first few tips I would say.
0: You're absolutely amazing, Holly. I don't know how you did it all. What are some of the ways the rest of us can honor Autism Acceptance Month and better support people with autism year round?
1: Well, I'd say the general answer to that is to just spread acceptance, right? However you do it. If you are at school or you work at a school, Talk about autism and talk about how we need to include uh, people with autism and, and include the autism community in in everything that we do. Talk about who people are with autism that you know and what's special about them. Highlight them. I think that's so important. And then, of course, selfishly giving to organizations. I have to, you know, all con- Holly Rod Foundation is my fifth child. So Always got to talk about that child. <laughs> um, we are working to support families impacted by autism and Parkinson's. And my father, we do job training and um, vocational support and caregiver support and family therapy. And so we're doing that via RJ's Place, which is we built in LA and we're going to be building more hopefully outside of California as well. But we're now putting together lots of resources on our website at hollyrod.org. And focusing on helping those families. But really, it's just really about each person taking this acceptance into their communities and their circles. It's like an each one, reach one, teach one scenario, right? And I'm really excited that we're moving past autism awareness and moving towards autism acceptance. I love seeing that journey because. While there are still people who are very ignorant and not, not in the bad way, they just don't know. That's what ignorant means. You just really don't know about what autism is. A lot of times it's not their fault. It's just because if you don't know, you don't know. So the awareness piece still needs help. But the acceptance piece, especially for people like my son, who's in his 20s, and he's like, mom, people are aware, like they need to just accept. Can we, can we move past the, what what is autism? I'm like, RJ, we still have to say what it is because people, some people don't know. A lot of people don't know. So for young people like my son, RJ, who is an autism self-advocate, he would like to see the conversation move more towards autism acceptance and autism love and normalizing neurodiversity than the awareness piece. But I'm always explaining to him, that there are a lot of people who still don't know what autism is. So when he sees me like post, autism is blah, blah, blah. He's like, mom, they still don't know. I'm like, no, a lot of people don't know, honey. Sometimes you don't know till you know, until you have to know. I love that he's such a great advocate. I love that he cares about other kids with autism. It's probably the most fascinating thing I've ever seen is to see RJ uh, around younger kids, especially the ones that, don't have the verbal abilities that he does. I just, the look in his eyes, how he can just sort of be around them and understand exactly what they're feeling and thinking is quite miraculous. It gives me chills every time I see it.
0: That's so lovely, Holly. And the fact that RJ was able to bring that to this book for other children, he doesn't even know. It's really something.
1: It really is. It's, it's all very awesome. I'm so thankful to Scholastic to be able to Give me this opportunity for our family to tell our story. Everybody just wants to put something out there in the world that's going to be around forever. And I feel like my brother Charlie and Charlie Makes a Splash will be around long after we're gone as really the first children's book from a major publishing house to really lean all the way in to what autism is. And I have to say that because I remember pitching the book all these years ago and meeting a lot of other places who were just, they thought it was a niche, niche book, you know, like, it's just, oh uh, wait, maybe a little section of the community. I said, well, do you know, I remember saying this, do you know what the prevalence of autism is? And that back then it was like one in 200 or something right now it's one in 44, but back then it was not as, as much. And I was like, if just every family that's dealing with this gets this book, it's a it's a hit. And I didn't even have to say that to my friends at Scholastic because they got it. They understood that this was a hole in the market and we didn't see it. The first thing I did when we got the diagnosis was run to a children's bookstore to try to find a book to explain it to his twin sister.
0: And it didn't exist, but we created it. <laughs> the Pete's can do anything. Yes. <laughs> well. Thank you so very much. I know this episode is going to be incredibly helpful to all of our listeners, as it has been to me.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Suzanne. You, you have been such a joy to speak with and looking forward to doing book tours and getting out there now that the world's opened up more and really talking to families about Charlie Makes a Splash and getting that to be the next book that is in all of the children's libraries and all of the classrooms
0: around the country. My great thanks again to Holly Robinson-Pete for joining me today. And thank you for listening. To learn more about Holly and Charlie Makes a Splash and for autism resources, check the show notes or go to scholastic.com podcast. Special thanks to producer Bridget Benjamin, associate producer Constance Gibbs, sound engineer Daniel Jordan, and music composer Lucas Elliott Eberl. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time.